Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 302. Negative reviews, angry emails, refund requests, stubborn or needy clients, snippy social media comments, passive aggressive communication. If you own a business, you've dealt with some, if not all of these. I'm talking about negative feedback from customers or clients. And if you're a human, you know it never feels good. When we receive feedback that's less than kind or uplifting, productive or complimentary, it's sort of like hearing your parents tell you that they're disappointed in you. It's like a sucker punch right to the heart. After all, you've poured your best intentions and sweat and hard work into your business. So to have people to be dissatisfied with your efforts, it's a tough pill to swallow and it hurts. At the heart of it, negative feedback feels like rejection. It's someone telling us we didn't do enough or make something good enough or perform greatly enough, and it stings. I'm not going to lie. I've dealt with plenty of my fair share of negativity, criticism, and feedback from comments on my weight, my mothering, the way I look, the way I talk. I get a lot of commentary, and it comes with the space I'm in. And while it never gets easier to hear that you've got places you need to work on, I've been able to decipher the difference between feedback and criticism so that I can continue to grow as a human being and be better every day. The author, Lisa Turkist, who's a total gem of a human and an incredible writer, says it like this. Rejection steals the best of who I am by reinforcing the worst of what's been said to me. When it comes to entrepreneurship, we're so interwoven with our work world because we've created these businesses and products and services from the ground up, usually out of pure passion. As much as we may attempt to be logical and rational when reviewing feedback, there's certainly an element of emotion attached to what people think about the things we're offering up to the world. And when people have not so nice things to say about these businesses we've birthed, sometimes it feels like our inner mama bears are woken up and it's tempting to go into defense or attack mode. But today, I'm not going to tell you to ignore the haters or disregard the opportunity to learn about how you can do better. I'm going to walk you through how to deal with something that is sure to come your way, even when you're doing your very best. Because it's a part of life and it's certainly a part of entrepreneurship. Isn't it so true that it's easier to remember the critical feedback longer and more deeply than the rave reviews? 
But rather than harping on the criticism or moping in the feelings of rejection or lashing out against the naysayers, I want to walk you through the exact system my team and I use to deal with unsatisfied customers, negative feedback, and refunds. That's right. In true Jenna Kutcher fashion, we've created a system around even the touchiest of subjects, criticism. And honestly, it was probably one of our smartest moves. No matter how amazing your business model is, no matter how many problems you solve, how many people you help and how much success you find, you will always, always, always encounter displeased or disgruntled customers and criticism. And the very first thing you've got to do is stop taking it personally and get a plan in place to deal with the negativity gracefully and openly. Even the most upset of customers can be swayed with a little extra communication and kindness, I promise. And while it might not always be easy to detach your personal feelings from your business, it'll save you a lot of sleepless nights, anxious days, and fear that you'll never be good enough. There's a huge difference between getting harsh feedback and letting it control your life and getting harsh feedback and having some structure in place to resolve the conflict, improve the person's experience, improve your approach, and leave your business and your mindset in a better place than before. Today, I'm going to walk you through all the processes we've implemented to save us from stressing out every time someone sends an unhappy email or refund request and instead handle it from a place of calm, strategic, and quick action. It's possible to do this for all business models. And I'm going to share exactly how to set proper expectations with clients, what we do when people want a refund and how to protect your emotions and stay in a healthy place, even when it feels like you or your business is being attacked. And in case nobody's told you lately, you are enough. You're doing a great job and you are exactly where you meant to be listening to this episode right now. Now with that, let's get into the juicy stuff all about dealing with crummy feedback. I promise it'll be more fun and rewarding than you might think. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Long day at work? Tough day at school? Still working on that new big project? Treat yourself and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Get $5 off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code GOLDDIGGER. Thanks to Me Undies for supporting Gold Digger. Me Undies are made with soft, sustainable fabric and available in sizes extra small to 4XL. Me Undies are made for your self expression. New fun prints drop every Tuesday, and members get access to exclusive prints every month. To get 15% off, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash golddigger. Before we get into systems and processes, I want you to take a moment to think about a poor experience you've had with a business in the past. Chances are you can quickly think of something because negative experiences usually stick out like that, don't they? 
I know it's not everyone's style to leave a negative online review or send complaints when service or a product is terrible, but think about a time when you were tempted to reach out and complain because it was just that bad, like someone needed to know what went down. Maybe it was rude manners from a waiter at a restaurant or a broken product from an online order or an extremely late or slow service from the car shop. I mean, there are tons of scenarios and I'm sure something has already popped into mind because we've all dealt with multiple bad experiences with businesses, whether it's in person or online, it's pretty much a fact of life. Got yours in mind? Okay. Now think about the main reason why it was so utterly frustrating for you. More likely than not, it's because you had a certain expectation about the experience when going in and your experience, it didn't match up. You might have heard of this new incredible restaurant from all your friends, but when you finally went, the service was excruciatingly slow, the bathrooms were filthy, and your chicken was undercooked. Or maybe you saw these amazing sunglasses on all of your favorite influencers' Instagrams, but when you spent 75 bucks to order them and they didn't ship for two months, and then they arrived looking like something you could have easily gotten from Target for $10? No shade, Target, but it just wasn't anywhere near what you'd been anticipating based on the buildup from everyone else. More often than not, negative experiences are times when the expectations didn't align with the delivery and you were left disappointed, frustrated, and with less money in your pocket. I mean, that's a bummer no matter how you slice it. Now think about your own business. What are the expectations you're communicating from the get-go with your clients? If you have unhappy people, it's easy to blame them or talk about how miserable they must be. But truthfully, it's usually a reflection on the lack of expectations you've set. Yep, I said it. It might actually be your fault. Not every unhappy person is a miserable human being. Maybe they were just expecting the moon and the stars and you only delivered a dull Pluto. I did an episode a few years ago all about setting clear expectations with clients from the very first time they hear your name all the way through the final delivery of your products and services. If you want to go listen to it, you'll have to go all the way back in the archives to episode number 25 called How to Set Expectations with Clients in your podcast app of choice, or you can search How to Set Expectations with Clients on jennacutcherblog.com. It'll pull right up and you can listen right from your browser. As a short and sweet recap, I want you to remember that it's your job to educate your clients. You got into entrepreneurship to call the shots, right? Well, when you introduce overambitious expectations or wishy-washy expectations, or you don't even set expectations in the first place, you're inviting a lot of room for disappointment when customers believe you've fallen short on your promise or when you aren't agreeing to follow along with every one of their whims, wishes, or desires. I've been talking a lot about starting with the end result in mind first when you're working on an offer, whether it's a product or service, because when you can define what each client's end result will look like, when you can define it with a specific, measurable, attainable goal and learn how to communicate that with them, it becomes really easy for you to decipher if you've delivered on your promise. And if you don't set that ruler to stand your offer up against, then you're leaving people to decide their expectation of the experience and it might be totally out of alignment with what you're actually offering. And so this part of the process is so critical as a business owner. What that end result is, how you paint it, communicate it, and over-deliver on it. Critical. For example... 
If you put on your contact page that someone from your team will be in touch within 12 hours, but you don't have the bandwidth to follow through on that promise and you consistently get back to new leads in two to four days, that's an unrealistic expectation that you've shared and you've kicked off the experience with the precedent that you don't actually follow through on what you say. Disappointment and frustration and worse, loss of potential clients are certain to follow. Now, it's possible that you have misaligned or unrealistic expectations in several places on your website, your marketing materials, your social media, and even in-person conversations. If you've been experiencing a high volume of dissatisfied customers, or even if it's just a few, it's probably a good idea to do an expectation audit to make sure your messaging across every single channel is aligned with the actual experience you're capable of delivering. And let me tell you, I'm saying this for myself just as much as I'm saying it to you. I'm known to get over overexcited or to overextend myself, especially when I like my clients. And so often I have to check myself before I wreck myself and overpromise and underdeliver because that never feels good. I know it sounds super dorky to do a quote expectation audit, but honestly, it's a great tool to look over and review all of your current materials and resources to make sure it's all correct, aligned and realistic for you in this busy season. It's actually super useful, especially if your business has grown recently. Maybe you've changed systems or you brought in more team members or it's simply been a hot minute since you've checked your autoresponder or your contract. Heck, when you review what's out there and what you're sharing, you might even find an opportunity to offer something extra like free shipping or a complimentary 10-minute consult call that you're not currently utilizing because you haven't updated your communication materials recently. So when you start going through all of your stuff, I want for you to take a look at a few things first. Your email responses and any email sequences or templates you're using, your website, contracts, payment methods, social media links, paid advertisements, and any other written or verbal promises you're communicating to clients. Just like in relationships, it's always best to over-communicate and under-promise, let people know exactly what to expect with the scope of work, your availability, how you'll be in touch, what communication will look like, when payments are due, and so on. Be clear about any next steps after a purchase takes place or after an initial email or call, and communicate before they even have a chance to ask. Like Your job is to anticipate those questions or requests and put your clients at ease by anticipating anticipating their needs. Now, it's a little bit different for everyone because every business offers unique experiences, but essentially you want to make sure that you can deliver exactly what you're telling clients you can deliver and make sure that message is clear, communicated, and consistent everywhere. Before you freak out thinking, I'm about to add a lot more work to your plate, you can actually automate a lot of this with thoughtful email templates or by creating workflows that serve your clients. My favorite system for this is, of course, HoneyBook, and you can see how I use HoneyBook to do this and save 50% if you jump to jennacutcher.com slash HoneyBook. But regardless of what you're using to do it, you can automate communication through little touch points that kick off your client's experience with positivity. It's as simple as checking in and welcoming someone after they join your email list, sending a confirmation and a thank you after they purchase something, and following up after they receive what they purchased to make sure they're satisfied with the quality. If you deal with contracts with your clients, be sure to review the promises you're committing to in terms of timing, delivery, and cost along the way for the service that you provide. 
be clear what kind of updates you'll be giving to the client, what the relationship will look like, how often you'll be available, how much time they'll have to make a payment, how you'll handle special requests or needs. If you have clients emailing or texting you at all hours of the night and weekend and either frustrated by getting a lagging response or you're getting frustrated dealing with working insane hours, there's a hole in the expectations there that needs to be mended. See what I mean? Like look at those pain points and spots within your business that are either becoming difficult to manage for you or frustrating to deal with for your clients or customers. So much of a bad experience could be nipped in the bud if people were just more honest and upfront about what to expect. Think back to that bad restaurant experience you've had. Wouldn't it just be so much better if a waiter said something like, hey, so sorry it took so long to get your meal. To be honest, we're still really new here and the kitchen is still working out a few kinks, but here's a free dessert to make up for it. We hope you'll visit again soon and hopefully it'll be a better experience. We truly value your time. Doesn't that open, communicative approach make your bad experience so much better? It doesn't remove all the bad, but when it's acknowledged, it makes you feel less like a grumpy human and subtly reminds you that bumps happen and they're okay as long as they're addressed and dealt with graciously. And the same goes for your business. You will experience bumps, miscommunications, missed deadlines, and you'll make mistakes. But dealing with them openly and facing them head on is so much better than being defensive, which is my first reaction and probably yours too. So don't just write off complaints, concerns, or criticisms claiming that the client is at fault because even the harshest criticism is sprinkled with a truth that you simply might need to hear. So what happens when you really do mess up? When it's time to redeem the situation or part ways or break up with a client who was maybe never the right fit in the first place, you've got to approach it with grace. And if you're like me, sometimes we have to remove some of the emotion to be logical and results driven. I've shared this before, but I've learned that sometimes in order to make the best decisions, we have to remove emotion and look at the facts. And especially as business owners, it's important to remember that when things get super emotional or personal, they can often be remedied through clear communication and an action plan. When there's a situation that simply needs to be redeemed or settled, the first thing I remind myself back from my retail days is that the customer is usually right. Notice I didn't say always, but usually, and if I have an opportunity to serve them better and part ways with peace, then I'm going to take that. You've heard me say time and time again that time is my currency, not money. And if I'm really going to live by that in every aspect of my life, then if I can exchange money to save time despairing over an unhappy person or someone who is causing me to spend time feeling crappy or emotional, then nine times out of 10, I'm going to hand over the money to not waste another second in limbo worried about the outcome. There is nothing worse than sending out an email and refreshing your inbox waiting for a response or praying that that person doesn't get back in touch with you to hurt you worse or ask for a refund. So if you can communicate from a place of honesty, not defensiveness, and propose an action plan or a few options that they can choose from and try your best to remove emotion and look at the situation as a business transaction, you can often come to a resolution quickly. I learned something valuable from the amazing Brene Brown when it comes to conflict, and I actually use this approach with Drew now if we're arguing, but when you're facing a disagreement or a conflict, approach it with this phase. The story I'm telling myself right now is... And really be honest first with yourself about what this situation is making you believe to be true about yourself, your product or your service, or even the person you're dealing with. 
A lot of times we unintentionally rope in extra emotional baggage into situations like this, or we face our deepest insecurities head on. And so when we start from a place of what we're believing to be true, based on the feedback that we're receiving, it's a chance to straighten things out and reevaluate what's actually happening versus what story we're telling ourselves. Example, someone writes an email asking for a refund and explains that they don't believe in my systems and that they're not actually going to help them and I'm a fraud and they don't like my method. The story I might be telling myself is, see, Jenna, you're a fraud and your systems suck and you're not actually helping anyone. And it's a shame you're putting out your stuff into the world because you're not an expert. You're just a girl who got lucky. You should shut this whole thing down. Whoa, like that's crazy, right? But our brains tend to do that when we're in distress. It goes towards our deepest insecurities and it threatens to derail almost everything. So what happens when you do need to redeem a situation? First, affirm the person in their concerns. Repeat back to them what they said to you saying, I understand that you are feeling X, Y, and Z. This tells them that you were actually listening and you took in their concern. Next, give them options and share them. Say, I want to serve you as best as I can, so I've created a few options that I'd love to propose to help remedy X, Y, and Z. And then share a few different options for them to choose from, leaving the ball in their court. Finally, give them an opportunity to further communicate and be kind. Welcome that feedback in and let them know that you can be reached and you are happy to connect to see if you can find a resolution that feels fair to everyone. I don't know about you, but I hate talking on the phone, but sometimes it's the best either talk on the phone or get in person with someone because text and email can really make things feel a lot more muddy. Sometimes it can look like parting ways. Sometimes it looks like accepting fault. Sometimes it looks like eating costs. It's not always pretty, but no one said that chasing your dreams would be pretty, right? So when it's time to redeem the situation, try to remove your defensiveness, have someone proofread your words before hitting send. If you need to take a little space, write it out, don't hit send, save it in your drafts, and then come back to it later and walk through the exercise of what story you're telling yourself versus the actual reality of the situation at hand. I want to dive deeper into this topic in a minute, but first I need to thank me undies for supporting this episode. Yes, underwear made this show possible today. What a crazy world we live in. Get 15% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash gold digger. If you've always dreamed of wearing the same underwear as your better half, Me Undies makes it happen with their super soft, super fun prints and designs made with sustainable fabric in sizes extra small to 4XL. And if you love to express yourself in every way possible, even through your undergarments, you'll love the unicorns, pizza slices, ice cream cones, pineapples, and all of the other bright and colorful print options. Me Undies drops new designs every week so you can order a pair of cheeky briefs in a basic pink hue one week and then switch it up with T-Rex boy shorts the next. So I mentioned wearing the same undies as your better half. You can order men's and women's styles in the same prints. So now both mine and Drew's bums are covered in the same print. Is that TMI? I don't think so. If your better half is actually your dog, MeUndies has cute bandanas in some of their prints for your pup. 
MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, especially because they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, head to MeUndies.com slash Gold Digger. That's MeUndies.com slash Gold Digger. DoorDash is back supporting this episode of the Gold Digger podcast. And DoorDash has continued to support my food delivery dreams while I sit in my recording studio, aka a spare closet. Drew usually whips up dinner for our family on these long recording days, but sometimes we'd both rather hang out and snuggle cocoa instead of turning on the oven, so we let DoorDash feed us instead. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Just download the DoorDash app and use the promo code GOLDDIGGER to get $5 off your first order of $15 or more. Then scroll all the restaurants, pick the meal of your takeout dreams, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might find a new favorite too. Like even here in Little Duluth, Minnesota, my favorite restaurants are delivered right to me with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code GOLDDIGGER. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the app store and enter the promo code gold digger. Now that your expectations audit is complete and we've tried to remove your emotions to get to the heart of the transaction, let's talk about refunds. Ugh, refunds suck, don't they? So what do you do when someone is disappointed enough to ask for their money back? Do you just act like it's hush money, hand over the moolah, and pray they won't bash your bad experience with your business all over the internet? Or do you just have a no refund policy? Because if they're confident enough in your stuff to hand over their credit card, then there's no going back for them. For my business, it's a little different than both of those scenarios. I live and breathe for helping others build their businesses And I create my courses and all of my resources with such due diligence that I can and do put my complete faith in them. I know they work because I've seen them work for thousands of students and I've poured all my effort, experience, and education into them to make sure that they work. Because of my full throttle belief in our offerings, I do offer a 100% money back guarantee if someone is dissatisfied with the product they get from me. And honestly, I don't think getting a refund request is necessarily a bad thing. I listened to a podcast a while ago by James Wedmore, one of my friends, all about reframing the refund process. And it was so helpful for me. Essentially, James talked about the fact that if you're not getting any refund requests, it's likely because you're not casting your net wide enough to really reach all of the people you can impact with what you've created. If you're getting a refund request here or there, it's actually a positive chance to gather feedback and to know that your message is reaching even those who might not be the exact perfect fit for what you've created. And that's okay. That's actually a good thing. For reference point, our business has less than a 1% refund rate 
on all of our things, our programs, our products. That's how confident I am in delivering on the promise and how powerful they are. But instead of being angry or ashamed or defensive about the 1%, we're taking the opportunity to glean insight and feedback that can help us show up and serve better. More people equals a greater chance of disappointing a few, but it's also a chance to help way more people. And those are odds, if you ask me, that are totally worth taking. I mean, trust me, at the volume we produce and deliver at, we've gotten plenty in our day. And I don't consider it a negative if it's a considerably small percentage. I mean, 1%, not bad. Like if you're not getting any refund requests, you're likely not casting your net wide enough. If you get one or two, it's a chance to get feedback and evaluate how you could adjust those expectations we just talked all about. And truthfully, sometimes it's just simply not the right fit and that's okay too. But more often, I see too many people not casting their nets wide enough, so they're just living in the bliss of a small handful of happy customers and smaller impact, but they're missing out on the opportunity for more impact and income because they're not taking the opportunity to push their stuff out to more people for fear of that 1% of rejection or dissatisfaction. Lack of refunds or even a low number can be an indicator that you're not reaching far and wide enough with your goals. And it shows you how refunds can actually be a good thing for your business because you're getting real-time feedback to step back and apply and therefore improve your offerings in the end. For me, as protective as I am over my products, I also know criticism is inevitable. And honestly, I really do truly want constructive feedback. I mean, it's one of the best ways to continue to grow and get better. And no one said growth was comfortable or painless, right? I'm the first to admit that I am an imperfect leader, that I've messed up in the past and that I don't have it all figured out. And the best ways I've grown over the years are sometimes through the hardest feedback. At the end of the day, I just want to serve people well and give them products that work impeccably. I don't want any of my processes to be complicated or confusing. We want it to be clear and easy so people walk away feeling served and understood, not frustrated. Because of that, we created a system for receiving feedback when people do request refunds and it works really well for us and allows us to make the most of that feedback. Now, I check in a lot with my team and if you've ever emailed me, you've likely heard from the amazing Steph. Steph manages all of our course support and is incredible at serving our students and She also has to deal with refund requests. I was recently checking in on how she was doing and I asked her, if I could make one change for your job today that would make your life easier, what would it be? And she told me that the hardest part of her job was executing our refund policy. So you know what we did? That day, we changed it. We made it easier, we made it less intensive, and we actually aimed to gather real feedback. When it comes to courses, which is kind of the bread and butter of my business, what we used to do was require students to show us their work and prove that they had completed many of the steps in the program if they wanted to get a refund. I mean, we fully believe in our courses and felt like if they can put the work in, the results are going to come. With any course or self-education product, you can't just fork over the money and expect the results to show up at your front door. It'll always take some digging in and work to learn, implement, and follow through. But going through students' work was a huge time commitment for my team member, Stephanie, and it was easily the least favorite part of her job. So we decided to pivot to make it easier on her and more effective for our students. 
Now we require students to hop on the phone with my assistant, Caitlin, to discuss what they were unhappy about. It's honestly such a great opportunity to hear their frustrations, like really hear them, hear what we could do better on. And often it really just ends up that the student was feeling stuck. The opportunity to connect with an actual person and create a game plan together helps them work through the roadblocks, and it's been hugely transformational. Three-fourths of the phone calls to date have resulted in the student staying in the program. And while not everyone has the capacity to get on the phone with every disgruntled shopper, the idea of connecting and listening to a client's feedback is highly underrated and highly impactful. I cannot recommend enough putting aside time to hear feedback from customers and to speak with them one-on-one. If you don't have the bandwidth right now to do the calls, you could do a digital version with an online commentary box for people to leave candid feedback or even a simple and fast survey for you to email out to your customers. We also started tracking refund requests, taking notes on the feedback, and then creating action plans around it. And I'll be honest, I used to get super defensive when I would get a refund request. Like, it's heartbreaking when you really care about your finished product, but I've learned that there is so much value in feedback. So now it's our team culture to really accept it and figure out if there's action that we can take on our end to continue to do better. That being said, it's important to be honest with yourself about what that kind of feedback or criticism will do to you and if it will cripple you or crush you. If that's the case, then you might want to create some sort of plan or system to try and insulate yourself from that as best as you can. I give my team full permission to take care of our clients however they see fit, to treat my business as their own. And if someone sends something that isn't actual feedback, but just straight up criticism that isn't constructive, I ask to be protected from that because it can do a number on my head and my heart. So level with yourself on where you're at in terms of being able to handle something like a refund request and then determine what sort of system will allow you to still glean the insight without letting criticism derail you entirely. There are ways to structure how you receive the feedback to protect yourself. We all know negative feedback is inevitable, but maybe you have a team member who can process refunds or help craft diplomatic responses to fired up clients. You can even build in language to your website and social media that communicates what will and will not be tolerated. I've seen tons of bloggers and digital entrepreneurs who include sort of a disclaimer on their website that says something like destructive belittling or discriminatory comments or behavior will not be tolerated in this space. That kind of openness for creating the uplifting and positive community goes hand in hand with setting clear expectations for your customers and audience. If you sell a product or service that garners reviews or ratings online and you've done the expectations audit to reinforce that you are delivering on exactly what you promise, there's something to be said about just not reading the reviews. I know plenty of people who either wrote a book or launched a podcast or created some other piece of art or helpful resource, and many of them have chosen to purposefully not consume the feedback, negative or positive. Their thought is that they believe the product that they created is good enough, and they are proud to just have the opportunity to share it with the world, and that's enough for them. Outside opinions can and do impact our moods and egos, both the good and the bad feedback. And some people just don't want all that noise having such a strong influence on their path. It's the same reason some people turn off comments on their social media. 
If you're sharing from a place of confidence and to truly and genuinely help others, then sometimes the opinions of others can only muddle our intentions and hold us back from really putting forth our fullest selves. Now, that method doesn't really work for me. I pretty much read everything, but maybe it's what you need to do in order to get your voice out there without apologizing or overthinking things. Now, I know there's a lot to unpack when it comes to dealing with negative feedback about our businesses. It's not just some easy breezy topic that we can waltz through effortlessly. Criticism and harsh words can cut deep, especially when it comes to such prized things as these brands and businesses we've nurtured and grown from literally nothing. But whether you need to take a look at the expectations you're communicating to clients, review the way you approach refunds, or find a way to protect your heart from a bit of the nastier commentary, I give you full permission to move forward with those shifts confidently and with the knowledge that we're all only human and we're likely doing the best we can. We mess up, we backslide, and we not always make the right choices or communicate perfectly. And that is okay. As long as you are still willing to grow, improve, and do the best you can going forward. And knowing you, friend, I am certain you will do just that. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Hey, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a review, would you just do that right now? It truly helps us get this show out to the ears of other people just like you. And it really helps me achieve my goal of making the biggest impact on this beautiful world we're living in. So take a second and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And for the record, I think you're pretty awesome. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.